0: Typically, uh, here at New Grace, I like to preach uh, expository preaching. I like to preach through the Bible. We'll take a section of Scripture, a book of the Bible, and we'll kind of go verse by verse and teach through that and preach through that book. And uh, Sometimes we've done it where it takes us quite a while. Uh, Some of you remember when we, we did the Sermon on the Mount, And it's you know three chapters in the Bible and Jesus probably preached it in 45 minutes and I preached it in 19 months. And so, but we we go through and when we do that, you it forces you to preach some things that maybe make you a little uncomfortable. It makes you take things in context, because one of the, the most important things as you study the scripture and read the scripture is understanding the context of the scripture. You can you can take a lot of scripture out of context. And have a lot of bad teaching and a lot of false teaching and a lot of mistakes made and a lot of people do that. And so it's very vital that we take scripture upon scripture and we, we preach the whole counsel of God. And so that's what we typically do and in our Sunday morning services right now. We're, we're going through the life of Abraham, kind of going through Genesis, looking verse by verse through Abraham's life and his faith journey with God. Uh, but this morning, since it is our one year anniversary, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to teach a topical message, but it's a very important message uh, it's a message that God laid on my heart months ago uh, about the direction of our church, about where God wants us to go as a group and a family of believers, about how he would have us to run his, his church, because it is his church. And we need to understand that. And sometimes it's, it's easy to kind of forget that and say, hey, this is my church and this is what I've done. No, no, no. This is God's church. It's none of ours, and I know a lot of us here, we've, we've given, we've just redid the floor, and a lot of us, we've given to the floor, we've gave to build the building, we've given, They're like, hey, well, I've done all this, and this. this is God's church. And so whatever we do, we need to make sure we are doing it because God wants us to do it. Because it's His business. It's His kingdom. It's His church. And so God laid this vision on my my heart several months ago and I spoke with the deacons about it and they've kind of started implementing how we want to fulfill this vision and and make this vision a reality in our church and in this this group of believers. And so I wanted to kind of present the vision that God has given me for our church, not for this next upcoming year, but until He comes back, until the Lord returns. And that could be 40, 50, 60 years. We could be three pastors down and this should still be the vision of his church here at New Grace. Now today, of course, it marks the one year anniversary of the grand opening of New Grace Baptist Church. And the story of New Grace Baptist Church, it's it's an incredible story of God's grace. It's an incredible story about how God worked in and through the lives of two separate churches to, com- to combine and birth New Grace Baptist Church. Our story of New Grace begins way back in 1970. Some of you weren't even alive then. I wasn't even alive then. <laughs> so it begins way back in 1970 when Grace Baptist Church was established. And, and God blessed the work of Grace Baptist Church. If you just look around at, the, at the, what God's done on this hill since 1970, it's evident that God blessed the work of, New Gra- of Grace Baptist Church, that he worked through the life of Grace Baptist Church. And God blessed the work of Grace Baptist, and they acquired the property that we are able to enjoy today. Through the ministry of Grace, thousands upon thousands heard the gospel Missionaries were called out of Grace Baptist Church and sent into the mission field to preach the gospel all across the world. They saw, uh, they saw souls, thousands of souls saved. Grace was able to build these buildings. They were able to support missionaries all across the world. And a WANA program was, began at Grace Baptist Church and it began to grow and kids, uh, hundreds of kids would come through and they would, they would hear the gospel. They would receive Christ as their savior. They would learn about the word of God and the of God and just grow in their relationship with God. Men and women from Grace were called to the ministry. They went out to serve Jesus across the world. And for over 40 years, Grace Baptist Church was used by God to further his kingdom and see souls saved. And it was a tremendous example of God's power and God's moving. The second part of our story begins in 2011, begins with the birth of New Horizon Baptist Church. On Sunday, October 23rd, 2011, New Horizon Baptist Church held its first service in the Brambleton Recreation Center. In that first service, there were 46 people in attendance in that first service. And after that initial service, New Horizon moved from the Brambleton Center to an office suite right across the street. It was up several stairs. It was tiny, but it was free which is the best price, amen? And God blessed us. God blessed New Horizon Baptist Church, and it began to grow, began to prosper, and we, we very quickly outgrew that small office space. And so on January 1st, 2012, New Horizon Baptist Church held its first service in the Roanoke Council of Garden Clubs building. And for the next five years, New Horizon Baptist Church worshiped there. We saw many people get saved. We saw many people get baptized in kiddie pools, in weird little places, but we did what we had to do. We, we saw classes begin. We had we had Sunday school classes in, 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 in broom closets, in hallways, in outside. Just God blessed and grew the ministry. Of new Horizon Baptist Church. We were able to support 12 missionaries across the world, had hundreds hear the gospel and many accept Christ as their Savior. And New Horizon Baptist Church quickly outgrew the space at the Garden Club and we began praying for God to provide a new place of worship. And what's amazing, when you talk about both these churches, Grace Baptist Church beginning back in 1970 and New Horizon Baptist Church beginning back in 2011, there are people here today in this auditorium that were at the first service of Grace Baptist Church and people that were at the first service of New Horizon Baptist Church that are still part of this church today. It's just an incredible story of of God's moving and God's directing in the lives of two different churches. But at the same time that New horizon was praying for God to provide a new place of worship, to provide a new home for them, the people at Grace had begun praying and looking for a new direction for their church. And on June, of in June of 2017, I called Grace Baptist Church to use their baptistry for a baptismal service. We held a baptismal service here in this auditorium on one Sunday night in June, and After that first service, through that service, God began moving in the hearts of both congregations to join together for the kingdom of God. And so for the month of July, both churches worshiped together here and began to see if God was moving for a merger to take place. And on July 30th, 2017, both churches met separately, but they voted to join together and merge to form a brand new church New Grace Baptist Church. And immediately began the process of the merger. A constitution was drawn up and voted on. Deacons were, were put into place. Uh, the, uh, legal papers were drawn up and the process of merging began. And by October, both New Horizon Baptist Church and Grace Baptist Church had filed paperwork to legally abolish their legal entities and New Grace Baptist Church was born. And on October 22nd, 2017, we held the grand opening service of New Grace Baptist Church. Out of two churches, one church was born. And God has blessed this new ministry over the last year. We've seen God move in the lives of people. We've seen people hear the gospel and accept Christ as their Savior. We've established a community cupboard that's provided hundreds of meals, to needy families in the area, we we began again an Awana program that has seen dozens of children over the last year accept Christ as their Savior and begin learning about His Word. We have knocked over twenty-five thousand doors in our area, spreading the Word of the Gospel and spreading the Word of our church. We've given out hundreds, we've given out thousands of dollars to foreign missions, spreading the Word to the of God's Gospel to the darkest corners of the world. We've seen visitors come who have turned into members. We've begun community groups and classes for every stage of life. We have seen God. Do incredible things through his church for his glory, and it has truly been an incredible year. But it's also been a year of getting to know each other, of kind of feeling each other out and seeing, hey, what works, what doesn't work, what do we like, what do we not like. It's been a, a year of discovering a new normal. It's it's a lot like a marriage. Two, two different groups of people came together to form one new, new, one new entity. Two became one, much like two people become one and get married. And the first year is, is always exciting at first. The honeymoon stage, man, woohoo! But you start to learn some things about each other. Like, you know what? She's not as cute in the morning as I thought she would be. And uh, she's not as good as a cook as I figured she would be. And you know what? He makes weird noises when he sleeps. And I didn't think he would. And all kinds of bad stuff. And so, but it's it's a it's a year of getting to know each other and finding out about each other and discovering each other and learning what irritates each other and what works in each other. But it's been a year. The honeymoon's over. And now it's time to forget about the past. It's time to focus on the future. It's time to say, man, where we came from was awesome. It's an incredible story of God's moving, of God's grace. I mean, when you when you see the, hear the story and know the story of New Grace Baptist Church, it, it is impossible to look at it and say, God's hand was all in that. I've talked, in this last year, I've talked to all kinds of pastors who asked me, so how's, how's the merger going? You, you about to split yet? No, not yet, because a lot of church mergers don't work. It just it doesn't work. And so for, for it to work... And look, I know there are things I do that I don't like. I get it. I know some of you are like, "Man, I wish you would wear a tie." Well, it's like a noose. I don't like hanging. All right, you want to get hung, you get hung. I don't want to get hung. I know some of you are like, "Man, I wish they do. It. I wish you would." Do it. And I, I know, but it's worked. It is evident that God has moved and worked through our church. But now, the honeymoon's over. It's time to get to work. It's time to forget about the old churches that helped us get here. And it's time to begin building this church. It's time to start building New Grace Baptist Church. Grace Baptist Church and New Horizon Baptist Church were vital to the birth and success of New Grace Baptist Church, but they're gone. They're not around anymore. New Grace Baptist Church is the church that God is using. Those two churches are finished, and a new church has begun. And it's time to honor those two churches, but it's time to focus on this one. You know, Bible says in Philippians three thirteen, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do: forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So the purpose of my message this morning, the purpose of the vision that God has laid on my heart is not to focus on the past, not to focus on what God has done, but rather to look to the future. I want us to look at what I believe God is going to do, the direction that God wants this church to take for the years to come. And to do that, I want to give you the vision that God laid on my heart for the life of New Grace Baptist Church, and it's based in the teaching of Jesus in Matthew chapter 22. So in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse number 34. It says, "When the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question tempting him and saying, "Master, which is the greatest commandment in the law?" Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second, Is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, this is probably one of the most well known exchanges between Jesus and the Pharisees. And in this exchange, we see the heart of Jesus, but we also see the heart of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were concerned with outward expressions of religion. They were concerned with looking a certain way, acting a certain way, talking a certain way. They wanted people to look at them and by looking at them saying, they are very holy people. They were more, The more religious you looked, the more religious you acted, the more they admired you and the more they respected you. So when Jesus shows up saying, hey, I'm the Messiah, they expected him to look a certain way. They expected him to act a certain way. They expected him to do everything they were doing but do it better. And so when he didn't act that way, when, when they're supposed to be fasting and he's walking to the cornfield eating corn, they're like, "Why? Are you, wait, you're supposed you're not supposed to be eating right now. Why are you eating that? And he's like, because I'm hungry. I don't, when I'm hungry, I eat. I don't know what you do. And they're like, well, how come your, your disciples don't fast? John's disciples fast. We, fat, we fast three times a day. You know, I fast three times a day too. Every day I fast between breakfast and snack, and snack and lunch, and lunch and snack, and snack and dinner, and dinner and snack, you know, so I fast too, like we fast three times a day, we fast, we give all, you know, tempers of everything, we we do all these very religious sounding and looking things, and you don't, and we don't like that. And so since he didn't meet their expectations, they spent the entire time he was on earth trying to discredit him. Trying to trap him, trying to. And to me, that's sad. The one that they had said, we're going to dedicate our lives to serving was in front of them. And, like, you don't, you're not the God we want. So we're going to discredit you and we're going to find another God. Very sad. But they spent their entire time trying to trip him up, trying to disprove him. And so, in this day, one of their brightest scholars, He asks Jesus a seemingly innocent question of all the commandments. And look, we're not talking about just the Ten Commandments. When it's a Pharisee, they're not talking about the Ten Commandments. But just to be clear, in the Bible, there are more than Ten Commandments. But they had added thousands of extra-biblical laws to the commandments of God to make you worship a certain way. So when they say thou shalt not kill, they had like 300 rules about how not to kill, what thou shalt not kill meant. Now look, I'm going to be honest with you, thou shalt not kill means just don't kill somebody. But they're like, no, no, it means all these other things. You can't get angry, you can't, and there's all these other things about it that were extra biblical and, and not in the word of God. And say, they're looking at him and saying, hey, we've got all these commandments we're supposed to follow. Which one is the most important one to obey? And this was a trap. It was a, they were trying to prove that Jesus wasn't who He claimed to be. But it didn't work. See, it shows their heart. Their heart was one of self-serving religion that made them look good, made them feel good, but Jesus' heart was different. He looks at them, and he looks at him and he says, "Love God with everything you have." That's that's the first and that's the most important commandment. But But there's a second that's just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's what we call the golden rule. Do unto others you would have them do unto you. He says love God with everything you have and love your neighbor just like you want to be loved. And on these two commandments, he says all the word of God, all the law of God, all the prophets, everything is founded on loving God, And loving others. So, what we see in this passage is we we see God's heart, but what we also see is what I believe should be the vision and the heart of new grace. And it is seen and expressed in three stages. And so, as we look at these three stages of what I believe our vision for new grace is, you've got to ask yourself which one of these stages are you in? So, here's the first stage love God. The first thing Jesus said when asked what the most important commandment was, he said, love God. He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy soul and with all thy heart and with all thy mind and with all thy thy might. Now that's easy to say, but how do you actually love God? I mean, God's a spirit. I know today is sweetest day or sweetheart's day or something. Some other Fake religion they made up to sell more flowers and candy and cards by Hallmark. It's like the middle between Valentine's Day. It's like you can't wait six more months for candy. I got to give it to you now. But you know, on, on sweetheart or Valentine's Day, you want to show your love to your significant other. You send them a card, or you buy them flowers, or you give them candy, or you take give them a massage, or you know, you give them gifts, whatever. You do something for them. You can't do that for God. You can't buy God a dozen roses and send it to heaven. You can't go up and give him a hug and say, hey, God, I love you. So, so, how do you love God who is a spirit? Now, if you've been in church any amount of time, you're probably expecting me to take you to John 14, 15, where Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then I'll start listing commandments of God and saying, if you love God, you'll obey these things. And I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not doing that today. Is that part of loving God? Of course it is. Jesus said it was. Jesus said part of loving God was obeying God. God. That's how we love God as a Christian. How do we love God as a church? How do we love God as a family of God? We love God in the worship services of the church. We love God when we worship together. So if you're here this morning, you're in a worship service. So, hey, you're loving God. Good job. Amen. Say, hey, I got that one right. Not so fast, okay? <laughs> but the worship services of God, it's where. Believers and non-believers, they come together, they join together to worship God. It's where believers are are taught the Word of God, where they are are encouraged, and where non-believers hear the gospel and have an opportunity to accept Christ as their Savior. It's where we sing praises to God, sing praises to our Savior as a family. It's where we are able to worship Him in our tithes and offerings, and we learn of Him and, and spend time with Him. And Some of you are great at loving God. You are at every worship service that we have. You sing every song with meaning. You give joyfully during the offering. But some of you need some help loving God in this area. You're here in body, but your spirit's not really here. You don't sing the songs. Or if you do, you don't look like you mean it. I looked out when we were singing, I adore you, Lord. Some of you were I adore you. Uh, Some of you are like I adore you. Like you don't, you don't look like you adore him. You look like you're getting a root canal. (laughs) You know, it's like go to your wife and say, "I love you." (laughs) Tell your face that, because it it don't seem like it. So some of you, man, you're you're singing every song and y'all got. And some of you are like, "Well, I don't know all the songs. That's fine. Look at the words and learn them." But singing with me and say, man, God, these, I love you, God. I want to praise you, God. And Lord, I just, I, I'm so thankful that, that I'm able to, to come together with your family and sing praises to you. And some of you are like, oh, man, this is taking forever. When are we going to dismiss? I'm hungry. So you come to the worship services, but you're not very good at loving God. So you're here, but you're not really taking part. If you give it all during the offering, you don't give joyfully. Rather, you toss in what you feel you can afford this week. And some of you, you're not real faithful to the worship services anyway. You're hit and miss. You're what we call part-time attenders. You're here every couple weeks. Sometimes you're gone for three or four weeks, and it doesn't really bother you. But it bothers God. Because this is where we love him. This is where we express praise to him. This is where we come together as a family and worship God. And when you're not here, God notices. And I know you're like, well, we got Facebook. We can watch on Facebook. It's not the same. Look, the reason we do the Facebook Live is for when you're, real, you're honestly, you're too sick to get out of bed. Like Howard, when, you're having, when you have a kidney removed. You have a kidney taken out. You have an excuse to watch Facebook Live for a while. All right? But, hey, guess who's here? Howard! And he sings like man, he sings to God. He doesn't know the words and he can't sing very well, but he makes a joyful noise. But Facebook Live was meant for when you really cannot get here, not as well since they're doing Facebook Live. I'll just worship at home. Because where two or three are gathered, you're taken out of context. So you're not you're not real faithful in your love for God. You're not here as often as you should be. You love God through worship. You worship God with other believers in the church worship service. So if you're here this morning and you're a believer, you need to ask yourself, are you loving God like you really are supposed to? Are you loving God like you really truly can? Are you faithful to the worship services? Are you participating in the praise service during the singing? Are you giving joyfully during the offering? If you can honestly... Answer yes to these questions, then you're loving God. But if you're like me, you ask yourself those questions. If you're honest, and look, I'm the pastor here. I'm I'm supposed to be the best of the best. I hate to disappoint, but like Paul said, I'm the biggest sinner we got. But I can look at these and say, you know what? I'm. There are times I don't love God like I should. There are times my love for God isn't expressed like it ought to be. We need to love God. Now, if you're here and you're not a believer, you need to start loving God by accepting him as your Savior. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us and gave himself for us. See, if you're here, no matter who you are, no matter what your background is, no matter what you've done in your life, God loves you. And God loves you so much that he wants to spend eternity with you. But because we're all sinners, and that's what the Bible says, it says for all have sinned. That's all of us. You know, a lot of times, again, here's why the only group of people Jesus ever rebuked were the Pharisees, the religious people, because religious people mess it up. Religious people say, well, you've got to, Look this way, act this way, do this, do this, do this. And if you do all these good things, then maybe you'll be lucky enough for God to love you and save you. And God says, that's not how it works at all because you can never be good enough to make me happy. So here's what God decided to do. God said, since I love you and since you're a sinner and sinners have to go to hell and there's no way you can avoid that, here's what I'll do, I'll take care of it for you. So Jesus, Bible says in Romans 8, 8, for God commended his love or God showed his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, God loved every single one of us so much. He sent his son to earth to be born of a virgin in a manger in Bethlehem. Lived a perfect life for 33 years. And he died on the cross, not a death that he was due to to die, not because he didn't have a good lawyer, couldn't get away. He died because we had to die. And he said, I'll die in their place. Because the Bible says, without shed of blood, there is no remission. So Jesus died as a sacrifice for us. See, in the Old Testament, they used to sacrifice animals to cover their sins. And that was just temporary kind of covering. But Jesus said, I'm going to go and I'm going to die to take away their sins. That's why when John saw Jesus, he said, behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And so Jesus lived a perfect life, completely fulfilled the law of God because we never could, and then died in our place on the cross at Calvary and was buried in the grave for three days, but he didn't stay dead. On that third day, when Mary and them go to anoint his body, he's not there because he had already risen from the dead, redeeming us to God the Father, to let, let mankind know, hey, the price has been paid and access to God is available to anyone who will accept it. Because if you know the story, when Jesus resurrected in the grave, what happened to the veil in the temple? It was torn in half because that veil was a separation between man and God. And God said the price has been paid Everyone has access to God now. And he died, he was buried, and he rose again so that we could have eternal life with him. And all we have to do is come to church and join the church and start giving to the church. No. All we got to do is say, God, I accept your gift. And that's it. God made salvation easy. Now, look, what it took to save us, very complicated I could spend an hour and a half going through the theology of salvation. But God made it simple. God said, you're going to hell and there's nothing you can do to stop it, but I love you so I want to stop it so I will die. I will do for you what you cannot do. And all you have to do is accept a free gift of salvation. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, you start loving God by saying, God, I accept that gift. I ask you to Save me, God. I accept your death, your burial, your resurrection as payment for my sins. And you begin loving God right there. The first stage of living out the heart of God is to love God. Second stage of living out the heart of God, and the second stage of the vision for the church is to love others. After Jesus said to love God with all we have, He said the second part is to love others as ourselves. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, just like loving God, there are a lot of things we can focus on that, that involves loving your neighbor as yourself, being kind, yes, being, being selfless and giving to others, yes. There's a lot of things you can do to express love to your neighbors, but we're going to focus on how we can love others at New Grace, how we can love the brothers and sisters in Christ here. So loving God is expressed in our worship services. Loving others is expressed in our small group gatherings. And we have them every week and all over the place here. These meetings we hold each week are where smaller groups of God's family come together. See, here you come together, we sing praises together, we shake hands together, we hear the word of God together, but in smaller groups we come together and we're able to communicate, talk to each other, encourage each other, strengthen each other be a blessing to each other. These meetings we hold each week are where God's family come together to study the word of God. Now we call them community groups and they happen in a lot of different ways here. They happen on Sunday at 10 a.m. It's called Sunday school class. I call them community groups. You call them whatever you want to call them. I don't care what you call them. But every Sunday at 10 a.m. all across this campus, we have people meeting in smaller groups of believers to study the Word of God, to encourage each other, to talk to each other, to be a blessing to each other. They happen for every age group, from birth to senior adults. And a lot of you here, you're, you're loving God, but you're not loving others because the only time you come to church is for worship. You are missing out on an incredible blessing that God has for you as you worship, as you study with other believers. But you are also missing out on being a blessing as God uses you to love other believers and encourage them. You connect with other believers relationally through smaller groups, and we have plenty of opportunities to do so. You can join them on Sunday morning during the Sunday school hour. We have a group of ladies that meet here every Tuesday morning to gather together and worship and study God's Word and encourage each other. We have ladies that meet here every Tuesday night at 6.30 to study the Word of God and encourage each other. And Look, that group, you can't shut them up. It's supposed to be from 6.30 to 7.30. They're here till like 10, 10 o'clock at night. And I'm like flipping the lights like, hey, it's time to get out. Stop loving each other so much. It's enough, enough. We've got men that meet here on Thursdays at 630 to to encourage each other and study the Bible together and help each other. And it's these smaller groups of believers where we come together and we love other believers. If you haven't gotten plugged into any of these, you're not loving others like God wants you to. God wants you to love God. Jesus wants you to love God. He wants us to love others, and here's the third stage: love God, love others, serve others. Part of loving others as yourself is to serve them. And we have a lot of opportunities to serve others here. At this, this is the stage where most of you are not getting to. You love God in worship, you love others in small groups, but you don't serve. See, Jesus came to serve. He humbled himself and became a servant, which the king of kings came to serve. And he did it as an example to us so we would be servants. He came to serve. He came to be a servant. He entered us to live through us so that we would live as he lived. That means we need to be servants. So how can you serve others in the church? A lot of ways, you can be a greeter. Brother, Brother Grice and Brother Clarence, They, they every, every week you come through one of these doors, you're getting a handshake. If you're on this side, you're getting a bad joke from Brother Grice, and you're getting a bulletin. That's Hey, and you know, we can use some more greeters. You could serve God as an usher. You could work in the nursery. We need help in the nursery. Look, our nursery department is growing incredibly fast, which is awesome. But we need help with those kids because those kids are bad. (laughs) So we need help in the nurseries. You You can teach us. We have right now, we've got, we just started a new class this morning, and we still need about three more classes started. You can teach a Sunday school class, you can help in a class, you can drive a van. You can pick up a member or a shut-in who doesn't, who's not able to drive. You can sing in the choir. You can sing in the praise team. You can sing in, the, in, in, the, in a special. You can work in the sound room. And look, you're, you're sitting here like, well, I can't do any of those things, preacher. Hey, you can write cards to people who miss. You can look around and say, hey, so-and-so's missed this week. I'm gonna write them a card let them know I, I noticed they were missing and I'm praying for them. You know how encouraging it is to know Someone missed me. Someone other than the preacher missed me. Someone other than the person who's supposed to notice I'm gone, noticed I was gone. You can write cards. You can, you can make phone calls. You can be an encouragement. You can provide a meal. You can sign up for a project. You can help set up for big days. You can clean up after a big look. Some of you, you know, we stop eating, and y'all, like, vanish. Hey, we're done. Well, I guess I guess we'll clean up out here. You can help provide, you can help after this. There are countless ways that you can help serve others. You can move from loving others to serving others. Here's what you can do pray and say, God, how can I serve others in your house? How can I serve others in your church? And then when He tells you, you can come and say, Hey, preacher, God laid this on my heart. Can I do it? Yes, you can, sure. I'm not going to say no unless it's like crazy. God told me I should jump off the roof to serve others. Depends on who you are. (laughs) I may say, I felt the calling too, brother. Let me get the ladder for you. But uh, But look, here's here's a lot, and I've gotten in the habit of doing this, so you need to be careful. If you come to me and say, preacher, I think we need to start this ministry, you know what I'm going to tell you? Great, do it. Don't come to me and say, hey, I think we need to start, a nurse. Hey, you want to start a nursing home ministry. Great. Find the nursing home and go there, brother. I'll pray for you. And if I'm a male but don't put it on me if God, God let it on your heart. But pray and say, God, what do you want me to do to serve others in your church? There are countless ways you can go from loving others to serving others. So this morning, as we celebrate what God has done in the life of our church, and we look forward to what he's going to do, I want each of us to ask ourselves a question. What stage are you in? Are you loving God like you should? First of all, are you one of His? Are you a child of God? Are you saved? That's first. And if you are, are you faithful to the worship? Are you active in the praise service as we sing to Him? Are you joyfully giving to Him? If you are, are you Loving others like you can. Are you part of a small group? Are you being blessed by others and being a blessing to others? Or are you serving others? Here's here's what that means. Are you a taker or a giver? Are you giving all you can to God's work and God's church? Whatever stage you're in, it's time to move to the next one. If you're loving God, great. Let's start loving others. If you're loving God and loving others, great. Great. Start serving others. If you're loving God, loving others, and serving others, great. Let's do it better. Because I can do it better. We can all do it better. Whatever stage you're in, it's time to move to the next one. If you're in all of them, it's time to be faithful in them. My hope, my prayer, my heart, and God's heart is that the people at New Grace be known for loving God, loving others, And serving others. Let's live the heart of God. Heavenly Father.